You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. How like a fallen angel. When angels go bad, they are worse than anyone else. Remember, Lucifer used to be an angel. Neil Gaiman, Neverwhere. Winter. One. Jim Corrigan lit a cigarette and thought about death. The office was quiet as it usually was at two in the morning. He was sitting behind his desk, legs propped up on the edge of it, and leaned back in his office chair. The smoke from his cigarette curled up towards the ceiling in a slow spiral, and when he exhaled, the blue puff seemed to float in the lamplight like fog. He had spent a lot of nights like this, for a long time. Sleep often eluded him for days and he spent the time smoking, sometimes drinking, and usually reading. He almost never watched TV. The mindless chatter of it gave him a headache. The dark corners outside the lamplight were filled with spirits. They tended to slide in and out between each other, making it difficult to say exactly how many there were. It was only when he called them by name or spoke directly to one that it would take a more permanent and identifiable shape at this moment, they were no more tangible than a cigarette smoke. Right now, he hadn't called any of them. They were simply drawn to him, to a place where they knew they could be seen. Most times, he tried to ignore them. Death was on his mind a lot. And not just because of the spirits filling up every corner of his house and office. It seemed to always come in the winter when the anniversary of his own death, if you could call it that, was nearing. He got depressed, intended to ignore his secretary Mercedes' advice to eat, sleep, and cut back on his smoking. He always chuckled at that last one, though. What concern was lung cancer to a man who couldn't die? He changed his leg's position on the desk and lifted up his book again. The world of Tolkien always seemed to fit the long nights, so he was on his probably fiftieth read through the Lord of the Rings. He was about to turn the page when the phone rang. Jim looked at it, puzzled, then at his watch. The numbers read 2.05 a.m. At this time of night, it could be one of two things. Bad news or a client. He picked up the phone and held it to his ear. Tempest Investigations, Corrigan. The voice on the other end was deep and rough, and he instantly recognized it. Inspector Roger Charles of the San Francisco Police. I had a hunch I'd catch you at the office. Having another sleepless night? What can I do for you, Roger? I doubt you're just calling to check up on my sleeping habits. That's right. There's been a murder. An awful one. I'd appreciate you coming down and taking a look. Charles's voice sounded hesitant. It was one thing to call in an outside consultant for a police matter, 
but quite another to call in San Francisco's resident spirit watcher. Jim wondered if Charles had cleared this with his superiors, but decided it didn't matter. It wasn't so much about the money as it was about the work. Where? Market Street. Not far from the water. You'll know it when you see it. Are you going to tell me anything about it? Not in the slightest on an open line. Get down here and take a look and we'll talk. All right. Jim looked at the map of the Bay Area he kept on the wall of his office. I should be there in about twenty minutes, give or take. I'll let them know you're coming. Charles hung up, and Jim looked at his glass of scotch on the desk. He considered downing it, but decided against it. He didn't want to smell like a distillery when he showed up. From his desk drawer, he pulled a bottle of mouthwash and took a swig from it instead. He sloshed it around in his mouth as he got up and spat it out in the sink in the corner. He grimaced and took his cigarette pack from the table. He put on his coat and hat and stuck the pack in the inner pocket of his coat. He knew he looked like a private eye from an old Bogart movie, but he didn't care. Usually and actually seemed to help people believe he was what he said he was. Besides, he had dressed this way for a long time, and it suited him. He took a last puff on his cigarette and put it out in the ashtray on the desk before turning off the lamp and heading for the door. Ignore City, the audio fiction rock musical, is now part of the Fantasy Network. In this post-apocalyptic future where technology is outlawed, Devin Rimpa, a scrappy spike messenger, befriends a sentient robot head named Saner0805. She embarks on a grand adventure through Ignore City to save civilization before government agents catch up with her. It's Futurama meets The Terminator, but with singing. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and podcast platforms everywhere. When he walked out of the office, the spirit shifted and swirled but didn't follow him. He saw several of their eyes look at him with sadness in them, as if they were worried for him. He doubted that was the case, though. They were probably just interested in having someone who could see them, and it didn't matter who it was. On the street, Jim pulled out his keys and stepped to the building's parking lot. His car, an old but reliable Ford, was parked in a slot where he had left it. On the lot's other end, several young men were gathered around the low wall there, smoking and talking. They didn't seem bothered by the slightly cold night air at this time of year. Jim looked over at them, stopped, and shook his head. Behind one of the boys stood the spirit of a teenaged girl. The girl kept pulling on the boy's hand, who of course didn't notice it. Every time the boy lifted his hand holding the burning cigarette, which Jim doubted was tobacco, the girl's face contorted in the hopelessness of her attempts failing. She looked over at Jim, her eyes large and pleading. She had been around fifteen when she died, and looked skinny and pale, even for a spirit. Jim sighed and looked back at her. He didn't have time for a big moral lecture, and he doubted these kids would be interested in hearing it if he had. However, there was something about the girl that made him decide to pitch in a little bit. He put the keys back in his pocket and walked towards the three boys. Hello, boys, he said. 
raising his hands out of his pockets to show he was unarmed. The three men, two African-American and one Caucasian, looked up at him surprised. They didn't look exactly like gang members, but also not like the type of boys he would have hoped his sister, or for that matter, Mercedes, brought home. The boys all seemed to turn their backs to the wall, as if for protection. One of them had something in his hand that looked like a switchblade, still closed. Relax, and put that away. I'm not going to make any trouble. I'm just going to say something to you, and leave. A friendly message. He pointed to the black boy with the spirit at his elbow. You. I'm guessing you used to have a little sister. The boy widened his eyes. How'd you... That doesn't really matter. What matters is this. Your sister died because of something with drugs. I'm guessing she either got a hold of something contaminated or she got involved with someone who is into the drug environment. Am I right? I'm guessing the first is closest to the truth. Did he know Jasmine, man? The other black boy asked. I didn't, no. But I have a message from her to you. She really would like you to stop smoking dope, kid. She's been trying to tell you, but you're not listening. She's worried about you and doesn't want you to end up like her. So do yourself and her a favor and quit. Because until you do, she can't rest easy. The boy's mouth hung open like a fish. His eyes probed Jim's face to find out if he was lying or pretending in some way. Jim made sure to keep his face straight. That's all, kid. It's your call. Jasmine's message has been delivered. Have a good night. He turned around when the boy's voice sounded. Wait, mister? Jim turned back. What? How'd you know that? How did you know she OD'd? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. But if you still doubt me, she died wearing a black or blue shirt that had a silver dragon on it and jeans with little designs on them. Am I right? The boy nodded, his two friends both taking a step forward. How do you know that, man? Did he kill her or something? Jim sighed. No, I didn't kill her. Don't think like that. She just wants you to not make the same mistakes she made. What's your name, kid? Tyrone. The boy's skin had gone an ashen color now. Tyrone, your sister's been standing at your elbow for a long time now. Her spirit, anyway. If you want her to get some peace on the other side, you throw that butt away, go home, and clean up your act. Stop smoking dope. Whether you do or not doesn't mean shit to me, but you might give her a peaceful rest. That's all I'm saying. Good night. Jim headed for his car, leaving the three boys behind him, all speaking at the same time. None of them came after him, but when he looked back, he saw Jasmine smile at him over her brother's shoulder. Tyrone looked at the butt in his hand and then threw it down to the ground. Jim got in and started the car. He turned onto the street and headed east.